So you would think these numbers would keep school board members up at night. You would think they can't sleep looking at the education system in Virginia. But you know what they're doing instead? You know what they're doing instead? They're focused on critical race theory curriculums. They're focused on social emotional learning. And they're focused on transgender guidelines, compelling pronoun usage, bathrooms, and even deceiving parents. That was Family Foundation President Victoria Cobb speaking truth about the anguish parents are feeling over the problems in today's schools and how churches can help parents stand up for their kids. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, Victoria, the opener we played for today's show is a clip from a talk that you recently did for an organization called CURE, the Center for Urban Renewal and Education. Now, you can't say this, but I certainly can. I think this is one of your best talks ever. It really, it just had a lot of punch. So I am very excited about sharing that talk with our listeners today. But before we do that, I would love it if you would just tell us a little bit about this organization and why it was such an honor for you to be asked to share with them. Yeah, I love this organization. So it's the Center for Urban Renewal, and it is just one of the most unique players in the public policy space. It was founded by Star Parker. She's a woman who is now, of course, one of the most sought after black female speakers out there. But before that, she really experienced the hardships of living in an urban center, not having financial means. And she talks about, and she actually writes about, she's had a book about just the decisions that she made and just bad decisions after bad decisions. And really, this idea of being stuck because the government is, their policies are actually not helping people. And so out of all of that experience, she built an organization to help really the urban poor with better ideas than just welfare. And so she did eventually become this amazing entrepreneur. She's created this whole organization that you spoke at, which is based in D.C., um, what was this event you were speaking at? Yeah, well, she really focuses a lot on pastors because she knows that the church is at the heart of helping the poor in our cities. And so this was an event specifically for black pastors. And, oh, gosh, I mean, the speaker lineup, I was honored to be able to be among people like former Attorney General Bill Barr. And, I mean, just people that could add so much to the con the conversation about how do we think more innovatively about education or about poverty and housing and all those things. It was awesome. And there was great worship. So there's always that. All right. Well, we're going to let our audience just listen into that talk. But before we begin that, I just want to encourage our listeners, stay with us till the end, because we have a very interesting, inconceivable segment today on the Jesse Smollett case. So you don't want to miss that. Now, without further ado, let's hear Victoria. Well, it's an honor to be here. Um, thank you for your work in Haiti. I have a Haitian niece who has joined our family. And so we honor that work because we have wonderful people. Um, that we get to embrace out of that. Um, I work on education in the state of Virginia. Um, and as most of you probably are aware from your congregations, most parents have thought more about education with regards to their children this past year than ever before. And as a Virginian, I will speak about kind of what I know, which is what's going on in our Commonwealth. But I want you to think of it like when I listen to one of my favorite Bible podcasts, it's called 
she reads truth, and they always, they always say, well, this, is for, this was for them and for then, but it has application for us and for now. So if any Virginians in here, a few of you, but the rest of you, this is something that is very much relevant to probably wherever you are living, because it's not that different in so many states. And um, you know, for addressing, as people assess their child's education, for some people, it was a matter of concern over virtual education, right? It was a matter of, you know, I'll, I'll take the city of Richmond for an example. Uh, those students in the city of Richmond lost over a year, about a year and a third of in-person education. Now, in contrast, my four children went to school in the city of Richmond. They lost less than a third of a year of school in a private school. And every day as I drove my kids to school, I would pass these empty school buildings, empty abandoned school buildings. And I would think, maybe everybody can't crowd into those school buildings in those, this moment, but couldn't the juniors and the seniors, these kids, so they don't lose momentum around graduation, couldn't we spread them out, right? So we have these, these thoughts of where is the innovation in this moment to make sure our kids get educated. For other parents that have been rethinking the educational situation, it was caused by a public or even a private school that has adopted a very secular notion of gender or sexual orientation. Imagine that some dads just simply don't want their daughters changing in front of biological boys. <laughs> and in Virginia, unfortunately, this has become a possibility in nearly every county as we passed model transgender guidelines that were adopted by most counties. And in some places, parents were assessing things like the parents in Charlottesville who were sitting there thinking that they don't want their children in a room where some teacher is going to say that sitting across the room from them are the oppressors, and they will forevermore be oppressed. And this will never change, because this is the state of the world, and it's all designed by skin color. And so for some people, the school might have called that a, they literally call it or courageous conversations, not critical race theory. But for some parents, that was just going to be a bridge too far. And I think others still wanted to see their children being taught accurate things about history. When they found out the Virginia Department of Education, for example, had actually told teachers in their, in their training that they should not discuss 9-11 as a terrorist attack because that would be racially insensitive, some parents said, what are we actually learning here about what's actually happened in our nation? So no doubt, maybe even you outside of Virginia saw the angst of our parents because it has made national news, particularly in places like Loudoun County. Um, in about, in 2020, about 37,000 fewer students enrolled in Virginia's public schools this past fall, um, according to an estimate from the Virginia Association of Superintendents. Every school district in the Hampton Roads area, so that's over towards the, the water, sort of Hampton out to Virginia Beach, every single city reported enrollment was lower than it was the year before. In places like Virginia Beach, 3,600 fewer students walked into their schools. Um, now, interestingly enough, also, interest in homeschool increased Astronomically, homeschool year over year in Virginia from last year to this school year, 48% increase. Never seen before that I can find on record. Unbelievable. And you know, just as an example of like what's going on in Christian schools, my church has a Christian school, and their enrollment from last year to this year grew 38%. People are saying something is not working. Thanks for joining us for Speak Up Virginia brought to you by the Family Foundation. If you're enjoying the show, help us encourage others to speak up by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with friends. Thanks for listening. But for those parents who may have struggled over decisions for their children, 
we have to remember that not every parent gets to make a decision. Not every parent gets to make a decision. You see, um, it's for those parents that I've been working for 20 years to try to bring educational opportunities to every single child in Virginia. I work towards a Virginia where there's a system whereby every parent, regardless of their income, can decide the right environment for their child from a large array of choices. Remember, there is educational freedom. It's just for those who have means. It exists. If you want to put your child in a private school and you have the money to do that, you can do that. If you want to pick a different school district, if you have the money, you can pick up and move. But educational freedom, the availability for every parent, still isn't there. And as Attorney General Barr last night said, public education does not need to mean public buildings, public employees, public curriculum. It could simply mean a wide variety of choices paid for by the public. In Virginia, we have a small educational improvement scholarship, and if one's family's income is less than 300% of the income of the poverty line, then they qualify and their child can actually get a scholarship to go to a school of their choice. Um, unfortunately, I will tell you that when the ideology of our legislature changed, even that small program got thrown into jeopardy as there was actually a bill to strike that entire program. Thankfully, we hung on to it this past session. But for a lot of people, the current public school is simply failing them. And it's failing them academically and morally. Um, despite spending, in Virginia, we spend 12,000 plus dollars per child in our education, a total of $15.79 billion on education. But yet, more children are failing in the public school system than ever before. It's not a spending problem we have. Even when spending in Virginia is through the roof, student achievements are down. Now, I want to just note that last year, we didn't have our standardized <laughs> tests. They kind of put them on hold. In Virginia, that's called an SOL. So we can only compare 19 to 2021. And if you look at our SOLs, every single one of the three sections, people's achievement fell. So math pass rate fell by 28%. Science path pass rate fell by 22%, and reading pass rate fell by 69%. And in particular, you can pinpoint disadvantaged students, English learners, and others that have disabilities as the lowest of that fall. So you would think these numbers would keep school board members up at night. You would think they can't sleep looking at the education system in Virginia. But you know what they're doing instead? You know what they're doing instead? They're focused on critical race theory curriculums, they're focused on social emotional learning, and they're focused on transgender guidelines, compelling pronoun usage, bathrooms, and even deceiving parents. That's what school board members are focused on. And unfortunately, the Virginia Department of Education, as the state entity, is also mostly just focused on how do we get to equity of outcomes, but you know how they, they see that? They're actually considering removing all advanced math classes at lower levels. Now, what have they seen? They've seen a disparity. They've seen that there are not enough, and they, they will say minorities in advanced classes, except these classes are actually, in many cases, majority Asian. They're saying we don't see enough black kids in these classes. But instead of raising, helping, figuring out what is going on, that these kids aren't ready or don't desire these classes, they're just stripping them out. Are we looking at the the, the, the bigotry of low expectations? What is that? Why would they decide we can't raise folks to, to can't fix the problem, we'll just eliminate the opportunity? <clears throat> so 
I'll draw my comments to a close by just simply saying, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? And that's gonna be the focus of your next panel, but I wanna just lay some groundwork for that so that we have some discussion about that. In Virginia, there's a few very, very specific things we can do. The first one is we, our current educational scholarship program is not big enough. 4,500 children across Virginia, that's not big enough. We've got to expand it and certainly hang on to it regardless of the ideology of the legislature. We also need to pass educational savings accounts, and this is true for every state in the nation needs to have educational <clears throat> savings accounts. This empowers parents to decide how to spend their education dollars. In 2016, we actually got these through our legislature. Unfortunately, they were vetoed by our then governor, uh, Terry McAuliffe. Um, we must improve our charter schools in Virginia. If your state does not have treasure troves of charter schools, you probably have a problem with your law. In Virginia, we have seven. D.C. is 23. In D.C., 48% of their public school students are going to charter school. So we have a law problem, and I can explain it later in detail, but it, charter school laws. And two more things. The majority, the current majority of the General Assembly has defeated even programs that would put more resources in the hands of parents. During COVID, they had a read bill, and the concept was parents need to be able to pay for computers. They need to be able to make sure their bandwidth is good enough to be able to, and yet we blocked that bill instead of getting it through our legislature. And the last thing I'll tell you is that I want to tell you what I've told about 300 ministers that we met with as we traveled across the state. We have a Virginia <coughs> Pastors Network, and we talked to them about every church needs to do everything it can to help be an educational hub. And what I mean by this is, if your school, if your church has a Christian school, you need to figure out how to expand it in this moment. Make more room. If you don't have a school, start in preschool and just keep building, building, building. Do everything you can to create a school. If you can just make your space available to homeschool parents, do that. Whatever you can do, support your parents. They need you in this moment. Thank you. Well, it's that time again, time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! Okay, well, I'm sure you've all heard by now this crazy story about the actor from the show Empire, Jesse Smollett. This is the guy who claimed he was attacked after going out for a Subway sandwich in Chicago in the middle of a polar vortex storm at 2 a.m., no less, by two random guys yelling something about MAGA. <laughs> it sounded improbable kind of right from the start because, again, your point about it's in a blizzard and there's a, theoretically these guys wandering around, much less that they're MAGA guys wandering around the middle of a blizzard. <laughs> that they would be motivated to go out in a blizzard <laughs> waiting for him. Um, but it was also interesting that he made it through this attack. You know, there was supposedly was supposed to have been a noose thrown around him and bleach thrown on him. And he made it through this whole attack with his Subway sandwich in his hand perfectly intact. Yeah, I think most people would know that the cue is if a sandwich is intact, that's probably not real. But it doesn't matter because, of course, the media and even the president were all over themselves trying to give this guy airtime. Yeah, and there's the latest news that not only was it improbable, but in fact, it was a lie. Right before Christmas, Mr. Smollett was convicted of faking that hate crime. So he got an actual conviction. 
Victoria, all I can say is why? Why does this kind of thing happen? Yeah, I mean, this is the definition of total absurdity. I, I, I It happens because our culture is so confused. We actually glorify victimhood. That is what's so confusing about this is that he thought he was going to, by faking this whole thing, capture the attention of the mainstream media by being a victim and I guess wanted to expose fake hate crimes everywhere. <laughs> Which he did capture their attention. Um, so that's exactly right. There are extremely powerful incentives when you think about it that our culture gives people for adopting a victim identity. You know, like you said, not only do they get this amazing attention, but there's actually government incentives for having a victim status. But I will say Mr. Smollett was very convincing in assuming this role. Let's just listen in for a moment to this interview he gave on ABC. I was talking to a friend and I said, I just want them to find them. And she said, sweetie, they're not going to find them. And that just made me so angry because so I'm just going to be left here with this. All right, he's actually a pretty convincing actor right there. I mean, it's just hard to get your mind around being able to weep like that over something you know you faked. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we have to remember, he's an actor, so he did a great job with this. But let's be serious here. This is honestly a symptom of a larger sickness that we have in this culture, that it is literally famous people, people that have everything going for them that are faking being oppressed and victimized as a form of empowerment instead of modeling empowerment through the fact that they've worked hard and actually become an actor and and do well for themselves he had to use this to try to look important in our culture yeah what happened to honoring things like self-government personal responsibility i i don't know where all that went but you know this is not an isolated event apparently it's getting to be something of a trend there are experts like this author, Wilford Riley, he wrote a book called Hate Crimes Hoax, that has have tracked the fact that within a few years, there were more than 400 cases of hate crimes or racism claims that were later debunked. Yeah, you know, it, it is a good reminder of why ultimately we need to find our worth and our identity in Christ because the power structures of this world are just going to lead us down the road of lunacy. Well, that means this week's Inconceivable does go to Jesse Smollett and the hundreds of others who are faking hate crimes and perpetuating this narrative that you should take pride in being oppressed rather than lifting others out of oppression. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.